Let's just get started because I'm gonna use up all my good words before we're even recording. <laughs> Fair hey, flush the toilet! Too busy to flush! Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we would like to just thank you for being here with us as we uh, invite you around our digital table and into our lives as we raise four children, ages 12 through five. We homeschool, we, I work from home, we have chickens, uh, we are not homesteaders, far from it. We are living in a wonderfully established, fully functioning, well uh, all the good things with modern amenities. And, um, anyway, and we can't have anything more than chickens. We're not, right. we're not raising other things. Yeah. Although I would, we would like to have some goats. I would, I wouldn't mind having some goats. Mostly cause they're funny. They're just funny. Yeah. Although so, goats are really destructive and after a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Chickens are pretty destructive too. I'm not very. sure we could handle both. Chickens are super destructive. By the way, the chickens, either the wind or the chickens tore a big hole in the netting on the back side of the thing, of their gate, of their fenced area. And I was out there fixing it. That's why it took me uh, longer to come down. I wired the netting together. But that's why we've had 10 out several times a day for the Molly's last couple of days. Molly's a farmer, you guys. I'm not a farmer. I have a, I have a, we, okay. I forgot to include the fact that we're doing this all in a world where people are weird and hard. That's kind of our catchphrase. People are weird and hard. So get that out of the way. It's a lived um, experience of our interactions with each other, as well as recognizing how other people feel when they interact with us sometimes. That's it right there. Mostly that last part. Um, it's a both and. We're both and people. Yes, it's true. Before I get to comments on the fence, one quick housekeeping tip. We don't know where we're going in the show, because typically Molly comes with some ideas, but we we talk and we pontificate on things in real time. These shows are not planned. So to give you some idea or compensate for that, there is a time-stamped uh, show map in the show notes. You can see I kind of just talk briefly touch on what we talk about in that particular area, etc. So you can go down there and look at that. The fence. We are, according to our covenants, which are 25 plus years old, most of them relate to new builds, we're only allowed to have one type of fence. It is... Uh, it is a split rail vinyl, white, looks very nice. It is kind of expensive to put in and it's mostly permanent when you do. So because of kind of where all the stuff we're doing right now, I haven't, uh, we haven't sprung for the full permanent fence. Um, it, I wouldn't mind having one at some point, but we're still trying to figure out how our layout and how we got things all kind of constructed. So right now I have some T-posts and some really cool black, um, it's not really, it's like a, it's sort of like a vinyl, sort of like a cloth vinyl thing, um, with really fine mesh, fairly durable if it doesn't get ripped super bad or cut, obviously. And anyway, that's, it's black and you can't see it. The neighbors can't see it. All they can kind of see are, which is one of the things I wanted. We didn't want to look too, uh, trashy. Um, this is not a trashy neighborhood, so it forces us to have like standard humans <laughs> except for no bathtubs and couches in the front yard currently yeah anyway um so but it kind of it hooks around the t-posts and the t-posts can tend to cut it which i've noticed has been a little bit of an issue so especially yep. when it's windy it's super windy the wind will go through but 
they'll still get cut every now and then. <sighs> anyway. Now you guys know. Now, yep. Uh, more than you ever wanted to know about our chicken keeping situation. Um, anyway, so right before we started recording, JR and I were batting funny words around because <laughs> we, you know, you have these conversations where words mean something and then they kind of don't and then they just become funny because you've used them so much. And one of those words is winsome, which we now use as a joke word because it's been used by the Tim Keller slash anti-Tim Keller crowd so much that it you can't use it in normal conversation with a particular crowd anymore without a ton of meaning laden behind it. And, and that has revived because somebody sent us some Kevin DeYoung versus Douglas Wilson articles and Douglas Wilson is one of the biggest anti Tim Keller slash winsome crowd people and he makes some good points and yet on the other hand I JR and I both have benefited from and appreciated Keller for decades and so uh, anyway, the word winsome, we can't really use in normal conversation now because... Yeah, it... so I didn't know there was anything going on. There always seems to be in the evangelical subculture somebody fighting with somebody over something. It's just kind of this ongoing thing. Um, and in this case, apparently, Kevin DeYoung and um, he re- Doug Wilson are at, e- are at each other right now. Yeah, and it goes... There's a bigger world going on there which is fine i just want people to know that that's what's happening it's and and as my as our friend pete calls douglas wilson he's the watchman on the wall crying out things danger 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 things are happening yeah and then on the other side you have like kevin DeYoung and tim keller saying okay let's not do that let's take a more moderate winsome let's be nice i I never i never would have put until I wouldn't have put DeYoung in the Keller Winsome crowd because DeYoung has held the line in the Presbyterian Church in America on things that I think Keller was more squishy on. Uh, Anyway, yeah, so DeYoung wrote a piece in the Gospel Coalition, no less. I think it might have been on his own website. So anyway, anyway. um, there's this kerfluffle going on. And as Molly said, we were kind of just discussing that at the very beginning of the show. I personally don't really care. I think both men have great things to say. We need both in culture. I'm, I'm a both and guy. Like, uh, we need both in culture. We need people up on the wall making, shouting the warnings, letting people know in a, uh, as what did I say to him in a text message? In, an, in a full tilt aggro way. Like, just get aggressive. Like, do it. Go for it. Um, on the other hand, I do appreciate and we need people who are not that way who can who can engage on a different level because I, I think both are needed frankly. well it, i mean if you want to think about a battlefield or a war analogy you need people making the weapons you need people training people how to use the weapons you need people actually using the weapons you need nurses on the battlefield and then you need a whole bunch of people trying to live everyday life so that those people remember what they're fighting for you're yeah. fighting for, I think, I feel like it's G.K. Chesterton who said, 
uh, men don't go to battle f- trying to kill their enemies. They go to battle trying to protect what's behind them, what they love that's that they've left behind. That's That's the reason that real men go to war is because they're trying to protect something that they love, not because they're just aggressive and angry and trying to hurt somebody. Um, so, so where I was going with that is I, I have enough going on in my life. I have a Christmas, what, 12 foot Christmas tree in my living room that every time I walk by it, this is like the Mona Lisa of Christmas trees. Only instead of it feeling like she's looking at you everywhere you go, it feels like it's on the verge of tipping over (laughs) no matter what angle you look at it. And you guys, when it's a, I kid you not, 12 foot Christmas tree, the possibility of it tipping over is actually a pretty big deal. And so every angle that I look at it from, I it looks like it's um, going to tip over in a different direction. Guys, I Mo- you not. So Molly's really amped up about this Christmas tree, and she has been since we brought it home. Um, we've always had, since we've lived in this house, our, our house, those of you who come over, shameless pitch for our open house Christmas party, too, too busy to flush open house Christmas party. December 16th, 3 to 7 p.m., RSVP, and we'll give you the address. Unless you know where we live, then just show up. No, RSVP. Because <clears throat> so far, I'm pretty sure it's just your parents and the Topes. Which That's is cool. great. We'll have a cool really fun time with them. But um, um, so anyway, you guys, if you show up, there's if, only going to be enough food for right. JR's parents. If you, so if you come, adults. you'll see our layout. But for those of you that can't come, you walk into the house and we've got a big open uh, two-story living room because it opens to a loft on the second floor. And that, those two things are about 16 feet high. And then the loft hits, and just under the loft is the dining room, and then over into the kitchen. Um, and we got about, so it's about 16 feet up there. And so we, since we've moved into this house, we've just been like, hey, let's grab a monster tree. And by so we, go, he means himself and my dad, who is a fake tree guy, who doesn't even get a real tree for himself and doesn't even take down his own fake tree. He carries it out to his garage hole and covers it with garbage bags from year to year. But he loves getting Christmas trees at our cabin so much he marks them. He goes throughout the year, yeah. Throughout the year on his hunting app. He has a layer on his hunting app that is trees he thinks would be good Christmas trees for us. So we get a big, well, and everybody, a couple other people that come up and get Christmas trees. So we've got this huge Christmas tree, and it's super fun because you actually go into the loft to put the star on top of the tree. And it takes up most of our living room. Which I try to get skinnier ones, not like super fat ones. Kids love it. I love it. Molly hates it. And uh, this year, unfortunately, um, our Christmas tree stand decided to hail out. So we've got a really... The stand is more than large enough to support this tree. However, I don't know about that. However, <laughs> it's plastic. And so in order for those side pins that you screw into the tree, those pins need to have something to push against for pressure into the tree. In this case, it's plastic threads. Most of the plastic threads are completely are stripped, stripped out. out. So it's it's there but not there because this poor tree stand has been supporting 12 to 15 foot trees for seven years now (laughs) yeah it's been it's done a good job so uh i wasn't gonna go out and buy a new christmas tree stand but then i thought about well i don't really want to transplant um i don't really want to transplant a fully trimmed tree in the middle before christmas so right now it's it's uh, molly we we got in there i pushed it over she propped some books under it and it's not it 
we think it's falling over. It's not falling over. Um, if it does fall over, if it does fall over, we're gonna have a good laugh, and it's gonna um, be a big mess. It, it if it falls over, we have a bigger problem than that because I've tied it to the rails on the loft in two different places. Oh, perfect! No, we'll so fall if over. it actually succeeds in falling over, it's also destroying the loft railing. <laughs> <laughs> so I was my Wednesday, so Mike at Bible study this morning. Um, I was telling him about this and we were kind of laughing. He's like, well, maybe you should just like grab a couple of fishing lines and do from the ceiling. And I was like, yeah, right now it's kind of lot propped up and leaned against a little bit of the wall, some books. No, it's leaning fine, away so. from the loft, but I keep, I did one string yesterday. That's perfect. And then the other one, like, and so I'd climb up on the ladder that's still there and I like twang it to see how tight it is. And it hasn't gotten any tighter since I did this OSHA would approve of this extra level of safety and then today I did I walked in from chasing chickens and I looked at the tree and I was like it's about to fall over it wasn't the other string wasn't any tighter but I was like I think we need so what OSHA wouldn't approve of is I here's the other problem you guys as many of you know if you know us in person or you've seen pictures of us I am, or at least at, before I started getting old, I was 5'4". I'm probably shorter than 5'4 now. JR used to be 6'4". He's probably shorter than that now. But we are roughly, he's roughly a foot taller than I am. When we decorated the tree, because our lives have been so, we've set the tree up on Sunday. And then JR, we had a friend at church who heard what a hard time he was having helping Titus shoot a deer. Titus is now been out hunting for probably 12 days total over the cross of two across two seasons and had yet to he took one shot and missed at over all of this time getting pretty discouraged this acquaintance slash becoming friend at church was like oh i have i have a guy that lets me hunt on his land let me call and see if he'll let me take a 12 year old kid out to try to shoot his first deer so we had lunch set up the tree initially and then JR took Titus and this other guy out and they were gone basically until dinner time. By the way, Titus did get to shoot. He a got deer, a deer. And it was just so satisfying. It was super cool. It was very exciting. Um so you guys we saw them coming in. Like we had we, we took us out to this it's really open. Um it's a it's a super nice um it's just plains, like just flat Montana, Wyoming plains. But there's these huge, deep collie uh, draws, these big gullies in the middle of, you know. So he's like, well, let's get up here. Let's walk a little bit, get up on top and, and do some glassing. So as we were walking through the field um, across the prairie there, we were glassing into some of these draws and we saw at least one deer. We're like, all right, we know there's deer there. Let's get up on top of here. The wind is in totally in our favor. So, which means it's coming at us. Mm-hmm. Um, we are downwind of which the, means the deer can't smell you. Right. The wind is blowing your scent. For those away of you that them. don't hunt, uh, deer and elk and other animals, their number one by far and away sense is their sense of, sense of smell. They will smell you from two miles away. It's amazing. Anyway, the wind's coming at us, so we get up over the hill, and well, I said, "Okay, Tito, this is the this is the draw. So what I want you to do is I want you to go. We're going to go around so we don't spook anything." We're just going to wait. We don't need to watch. We're just going to wait. You very carefully and slowly work your way up the hill. And then as you get closer, just kind of keep peeking over until you see some deer. He's like, all right. So he takes off. And I got a really cool picture of him up on a hilltop carrying a rifle with the sunset. All by himself. Um, I'll use that as my show cover. Okay. So you guys can see that photo. 
Um, so we get up, so we're watching and we kind of just stop and wait and we see him slow down. And then he starts really slowing down. We're like, ooh, ooh. We're like slapping, you know, Jordan and I like slapping each other's arms. And uh, then he gets down on one knee and we're like, oh, pulls his gun up. We're like, here it is, here it is. And he shoots. And we hear the thwack, you know, of it solidly hit flesh. And we're like, yes. And then, so we start walking up there. And then Titus is sitting there and we're like, did you get something? He's like, he's kind of shrugging his shoulders. We're like, what's going on? So um, <clears throat> we get up there. I was like, where did it go? He goes, it went, it went downhill and we couldn't see down at the bottom of the reason he didn't know is because you couldn't see down at the, from where he was at, couldn't see down at the bottom of the, of the hill and, uh, down into the very bottom of that draw. And I said, okay, well, let's go, let's go down and check it out. So, um, we started walking down there and I'm like, wait, wait, Tito, stop. I grabbed my glasses and I, I glassed down into the very bottom. There's a little Creek running along the bottom and there is a, there is a, deader than dead doe down there and i turned around and looked at jordan and threw both fists in the air and jordan let out a whoop and a holler and we went out and he did most of the field dressing too which was pretty cool he being titus, titus. Not he gets to the throat you know to pull out the esophagus and so Ooh. i'm like okay go ahead and cut it right just underneath the head poke a hole in the esophagus and then if, if you you can do it you can actually grab the esophagus and pull all the guts out in one clean uh one clean fell swoop and he's like he goes, this is the part where I think Lily's not going to be very good at hunting. <laughs> uh, I was like, ah, she'll get you, over it. you might not be wants. wrong. So anyway, yeah, so that was really, really neat. Um, huge thanks to a good friend uh, for... Generosity yeah, of time and resources. Becoming a good friend to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, so that's why we didn't decorate the tree on Sunday. And then you were working Monday, so you hauled all the decorations in and then disappeared. And left me managing absolute chaos as well as trying to get trees. I told the, the kids the- that if they get their schoolwork done early, they could decorate tree stuff. But managing, like... I realize that. But what I'm saying is part of the reason the tree is such right. a problem for me is not only was I afraid it was going to tip over the whole time we were trying to decorate it. And the girls did break several more glass ornaments in the process of trying mm, to decorate. Girls do. Um, but I am only tall enough to get lights about halfway up. And so then it just like sat there and they wanted to decorate. And I was like, you can't decorate without the lights already being on it. And anyway, all that to say, the tree is tied to the loft. It's not going anywhere this year. New tree stand or not. We'll put the tree stand in the garbage and maybe get a metal one, a metal one uh, that can accommodate a giant. With the tree a is trimmed. Sale. The stuff is still laying around the living room. Kids need to clean it up. But the tree is trimmed. It's up. It looks great. And what's nice is we didn't actually have to decorate most of the tree. Like once your kids get old enough, they do all the decorating for you. I guess, of course, the decorations only go so high. Yeah, but. I guess there's a sweet spot because it, at one at some point, the kids get old enough that they don't care anymore and they won't decorate. And then it's just mom and dad left decorating again. Uh-oh. But we're okay. still, we're in that sweet spot where they can actually do stuff and it looks decent. Maybe we, have, we don't have to do it. Maybe we have enough kids that by the time one or two of them get to the I don't care mode, we still have two kids. And I care. think girls stay engaged with the decorating longer than boys do. So anyway. Um, okay. So I'm trying to backtrack to where we were talking about, I don't know how we got into this, the tree stuff, but we were talking about uh, winsomeness. And I, my only, my only attempt at contribution to this conversation is let's get to biblical language as much as possible. And 
everybody's, you know, so there's two, there's a couple of scriptures that are coming to mind. Like love is patient. Love is kind, right? So kind is a biblical term. You said like, why can't we all just be nice? That was your snarky comment when, and then you were like, let's be winsome before we actually started recording. Uh, neither of those words are in scripture. Nope. Kind. That's the snarky. Right. Kind is different than nice, I believe. And kind is in scripture. Uh, also in scripture is do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, I think that the Douglas Wilson crowd and Douglas Wilson defenders would say with all of our our language that the winsome crowd has an issue with, we it's not it's not unwholesome and it is constructive according to particular needs. What they need is harsh language is the harsh language that we're using. That's the defense of Wilson. I say, keep your own conscience clear before the Lord, both in terms of what you listen to, because that's going to affect your behavior and your actions and your words, and in terms of what you do, what you say, and what you actually do. You know, uh, guard your heart, guard your mind. That is the wellspring of life. Uh, So that's all I have to say about that. But in terms of biblical language, we sparked quite an ongoing conversation last week when I knew we were we would. talking about when I dropped some, it. Yeah, you did. I dropped the episode. I was like, this, this should bring back yeah, some. Yeah, so on our Telegram channel, to this, like, literally, JR uploaded the episode, and we drove to the cabin and went off the grid on Wednesday afternoon. So he uploaded the episode, and by the time we were off the grid, two or three hours later, the last time I te- checked our Telegram, we already had a comment about self-care. And now, uh, is today Wednesday? Yeah, today's Wednesday. Yeah. A full week later, we're still getting paragraphs about self-care, which I think speaks to uh, two things. One is how contentious it is in our world. And two is how whatever Christian moms actually genuinely need, we are not hitting it. We're not, we're not hitting the target. We have genuine needs that either we don't appropriately understand or we are not appropriately meeting. Okay, let's. Or I want. I want. Yes, I agree. Um, I just want to quickly uh, make the clarification here, if it needs to be made, that the context of self care we're talking about is almost predominantly. It's almost female. exclusively. It's women. almost exclusively yeah. female. Men do Men not don't... talk about self care. No, no. At so least that so that just kind of goes. Manly traditional men don't talk about a lot about self care, uh, which which I think actually. So we have this conversation. We haven't had it recently, but we have this conversation in an ongoing way. Uh, because I think that men, by virtue of biology and somewhat also personality. Do what you want anyway. You don't have uh, this, you know, so we look at, if you look at recreation habits, especially of people in the Mountain West where we live, how many women leave their kids for a day and just go off and have a ski day? How many women go off and mountain climb when they have 
two, three, four, five kids around. How many women golf all day? That's not just Mountain West. How many, all day on a Saturday. How many women, uh, you fill in the blank, go on a 40-mile bike ride on a Saturday morning. Moms don't do that. The dads are like, going on a bike ride, check you later. I mean, I've seen moms patrolling and stuff. I've seen a lot of moms up there without dads and a lot of moms doing things with their kids. But by far and away... There's, that, there's what you just said. There's what you just said. The moms are doing the things with their kids. Yeah. The dad will go skim. Oh, he'll go by himself. Right, the right, dad right. will go skin up the mountain by himself. And the mom will schlep four kids and feed them lunch and do all the things. Like the homeschool mom or, you know, the mom. If you see a mom there, it's rarely that she's by herself. It's that she's there with her kids. And there are a lot of dads who are up there. Not a ton of dads who are up there with small kids. And that is... As Ryan Anderson says, when when you when a baby is born, the mom is always in the room. <laughs> the question is whether the dad is in the room, right? And he's talking about marriage and the reason that society needs to have an institution that binds the father to the mother and the child because biologically speaking and also from a phys- from a psychological bonding standpoint, Mom is almost always present for the formative first couple of years of a child's life. And according to Erica Komisar, who wrote a book called Being There, she was a secular Jewish psychologist in New York City, and she kept seeing kids with pretty major psychological disorders, anxiety, depression, all these things, young kids, and she started doing a ton of research, and she said... It is absolutely crucial for the first three years of a child's life for mom to be the primary caregiver. And she's speaking this to a New York City upscale audience. And she's saying, moms, you need to be there and you need to rearrange your career and your lives just for the first three years of your child's life. And so she actually did her her she after doing this research when she started having her own kids rearranged her professional schedule so that she was there for their waking hours or the majority of them and then you know was there feeding them their meals was there putting them down for their naps and then did her counseling on the edges of that and uh, because she was practicing what she preached because she believed it was so important for the psychological development of her children so from that perspective and moms, I think, have a gut instinct for that, that we psychologically can't just be like, hey, guys, it's Saturday morning. I don't know when I'll be back. Go on a bike ride. <laughs> you know, you, we psychologically cannot do that. Where men yeah. do not have that psychological check in their brains that God put there for very good reason. Um, but it makes it very... So men do not have this biological tie or this emotional psychological tie to kids so self-care comes very naturally (laughs) (laughs) also most men and i'm i'm not gonna throw every man into this camp but most men are like i need a new pair of skis hey i bought a new pair of skis or they don't even bother with that you just go skiing and you're like oh you got a new pair of skis (laughs) do you get new boots too oh okay this um, isn't this this hasn't happened in our relationship. We actually went skiing once in Molly. Was and he skiing had bought and, me a new pair of <laughs> she's skis. She's like, Oh, 
You got me new you, skis. No, I was like, you didn't pack my skis in the car. <laughs> um, but but it's not uncommon for, I mean, again, at our little local ski area, you look and the moms are wearing older equipment than the dads. I just want to be fair to those husbands and wives that are doing it right. There are moms who are rocking the stuff without their kids. And there are men who are out there. I, so here's right the deal. Home. You said doing it right. I don't necessarily think that there's a right or wrong here. I, but all I'm well, saying is laying can, fair, laying fair, out fair. the foundation for the fact that, yeah, the the self-care conversation. They're giving, they're giving their wives some time to go do something. Yes, yes. <clears throat> but the self-care conversation is basically almost exclusively a yeah. woman's, uh, a, a woman's domain because the the lot that the lord himself has graciously and sovereignly given us in life is that it is harder for us to emotionally release ourselves and physically release ourselves from caring for our family in a way that uh that gives us the sort of rest that we whatever is going to restore us which i think is different from person to person in terms of how much time you need and what exactly you need to do. Um, so going back to, going back to, you you were talking, you like, drifted can, a little bit on two yeah, key things so can, that this highlights that yeah. women are missing. Well, or my, culturally we're missing. My big question is, can we reframe this in a biblical way? And my favorite way to try to reframe things biblically is to look at the four major eras of redemptive history, which are creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. And to say, how does all of this fit into that schema? And so if you look at creation, uh, men and women were created equal, but with different functions, with different roles from embedded in Genesis 2. We are equal but different. And we also, I think the majority of Christians in the Reformation tradition, uh, the person that you had the weird conversation about the Sabbath accepted, uh, (laughs) the majority of Christians would say we were created to have a work-rest pattern. Six days of work, one day of rest. That is embedded in creation and that is good. And as I was thinking about, I mean, we're, we've we're, like to the point where we're forced to fall asleep at night. Yes, yes, and and that too. If if you go all the way back to our conversations about Kelly Capic Capic, I every time it now I've said his name wrong so many times. I Capic K A P I C. He's a professor at Covenant College. He wrote a book called "You're Only Human." We've talked about it. I don't know, probably two years ago, I started reading it. I never finished it, full disclosure. I never, I very rarely finish books. I read them until I, my enthusiasm for them burns out or and I get the, distracted by premise. something else. But it's still on my <clears throat> nightstand. I intend to finish it someday. I haven't totally given Tell up. Tell you what, why don't you take off on a Saturday morning by yourself <laughs> to the coffee shop and just read, and just it read a book? By myself. <laughs> um... You guys, for the record, I try to kick Molly out of the house, and a lot of times she just won't go. <laughs> well, you're like, go have drinks with a friend. And I'm like, 
I have zero friends who can get no, off but there have been there minute. have been lots of times where I've been like, do you need a regular time during the week to go off and do Kinovox stuff, to do your reading, to do just kind of get away hey, for two we're hours? Not making like, this, no, I'm fine. We're not making this about me. We're not making this about the Bible. Well, this is about stop me. attacking me. <laughs> Stop blame shifting. I'm not blame shifting crap. <laughs> Just trying to explain how things normally go down in this house. That's true. I'm not organized enough to make good use of of a period of time like that. Um, <clears throat> although we've actually been remarkably efficient with school recently, so I could possibly seize a couple of hours on like a Thursday afternoon it, and it's actually easy when I work from home. Get out of the house, and now that all of the kids can be pretty much self governing safely. Anyway, uh, so yeah, apparently I'm going to go on Saturday morning and read a whole book by myself that I started two years ago on vacation. But <laughs> so if if y'all don't remember and you need a refresher, the premise of this book, You're Only Human by Dr. Kelly, however you pronounce his last name, and I've pronounced this wrong in so many different ways, I don't know what's right, but maybe Anna can remind us because she knows him. Anyway, the premise of his book is we were created as finite, limited human beings who have limitations built into our very humanity, and they're a feature, not a bug, and we live our best lives now, to steal a phrase from Joel Osteen, we live our best lives now by recognizing and embracing the limitations with which we were designed. And those limitations then imply that we need to take the patterns of rest, i.e. nightly sleep, and a daily or a weekly day of rest and Sabbath. I'm not saying relaxation deliberately. I'm saying rest and worship. We were designed to follow that pattern. And so... If you don't follow the design, you are going to experience breakdowns, either physically or mentally. Um, and so, as we're trying to understand this, the idea of self-care, at the very outset, we need to understand that as humans, we have limitations and we were prescribed patterns for our like schedule patterns for our lives to take good care of ourselves in the fall we first of all experience breakdown in our bodies and our minds that are not part of the design and that are not oh, fall uh biblical fall not seasonal fall yes the first yes. thing was, was in the fall like leaves in the autumn. leaves break down in the autumn <laughs> That's also part of the natural design of things, because that's how we get good soil. Uh, yeah, so so in, in Genesis 3, the first sin of Adam and Eve, and in Adam and Eve's fall, all mankind fell, right? And so first of all, we... I'm trying to think of the catechism language, but I've, I've taken a break from our normal catechism. But in in the fall, there's two main components, and the first is that we are subject to... All physical suffering, thorns, all the things leading right up to death. And we are also subject to, and that, that involves emotions 
and things also, right? And then we're also subject to sin. So, so the experience of being in a fallen world and then also our own sin and others' sin are two outcomes of the Genesis 3 fall. And so the design is complicated by our own brokenness as well as our own sinfulness. And that then gets difficult to parse out of how do we treat ourselves appropriately following these patterns of rest, recognizing the limits of our design while also recognizing the twisting and distorting of the design. And I think what we have to do is then, you know, redemption, of course, is Christ dying for our sins and in his resurrection, conquering both the sin and the effects of sin in our broken world. And we look ahead to the consummation when Christ returns and we enjoy life in glory, in glorified bodies, with a king who is actively ruling over the world. And we are then again living in right relationship with creation, with ourselves, with other people, and with the Lord. And so what do we believe is going to be true for us in our still finite, limited humanness, but what would be true of us in heaven, in glory, in the new heavens and the new earth, however you want to describe those things. And we will still have physical limits. We will still have have to sleep. I think we'll still follow the creational pattern of work and rest because that's built into the very backbone of in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so I, I don't have a specific answer for what is, I mean, again, self-care is not in the Bible, but living according to the design, well, that phrase itself is not in the Bible, is embedded throughout. And, um, and so for me, as I think about, you know, there's, I think that my soul, and we, this was part of the discussion on the Telegram channel, Doing things that are satisfying with our hands or according to how God made us. Like one person said, I don't, I'm not crafty. I don't do things with my hands, but I love singing and I love, I can't remember the other thing she said. And that, that is restorative for her at a soul level. And so, I mean, truthfully, I feel like everyone on this Telegram discussion is all in agreement. They're just adding nuance based on their own experience, both their own experience of, of living in the brokenness, as well as their own experience of, uh, trying to understand their own design. And I don't think anyone would have said, you know, like some people like the word self-care, some people don't, but I don't think anyone would say, yeah, just do whatever you want, do whatever makes you feel good. Do it at other um, people's expense. who, Who said it? Maybe Maggie said it, but she made, she, she clarified it even further by saying indulgent self-care. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of the way it's portrayed on social media. That's the way it's used in, I mean, it becomes, and I think I made this comment without trying to confuse everybody, <clears throat> misunderstanding things, but I was trying, to, there's a, it takes on a life in and of itself outside of everything else um and becomes almost idolatrous in that in that nature yeah, i wouldn't i wouldn't say almost idolatrous i would say it fully becomes idolatrous 
Okay. Yeah. yeah okay. Fine. You know, becomes I, fully idolatrous. So my point was, you know, and there's, I love what you had to say in regards, because I haven't really thought about it in terms of like, I've thought about a lot of things like what's going to be the new heavens and the new earth. You know, there's certain trains in my thought that are always leaning that way. This wasn't one of them. And thinking through that also had me pondering, not to go too far off the track, had me pondering transhumanism. And, you know, the whole goal is to take technology and bring ourselves to the next level of existence, for lack of a better phrase. Yeah. Um, in to terms of longevity, our human, in terms of knowledge, yeah, transcend in terms our of human, power. To transcend our human limitations. Yeah. And we're not going to be carrying those things with us into a new heavens and a new earth. So we're that not going to be carrying provide, the desire to We're not going to be, be carrying technological, uh, technological additions to ourselves or modifications to ourselves into the new heavens and the new earth. Yeah, I think there will be technology in the new heavens and the new earth. I do earth, too, but, but will we'll will it be integrated good, complete with our biology? Yeah, yeah. We'll have a good relationship to counteract. with technology. Um, yeah, so like that could, that's just another, just another interesting thing for me to now ponder over the next little bit in, in my, in my uh, thinking on transhumanism and technology overall. Yeah, and I think a lot of it goes back to either, I mean, so the transhumanism is an overt desire to break free from the chains of the limitations with which we were created. So when Satan says, you will be like God, uh, transhumanists are like, yes, please, and not only yes, please, but we reject the limitations with which, you know, if, if they acknowledge that there is a God, we reject the limitations with which he created us. We actively reject those. In a sense, I think that some of the self-care conversation, the, the secular worldly indulgent self-care conversation takes, absorbs that worldview without, without thinking it explicitly and says, I should be able to have my cake and eat it too. I should be able to be a mom of young kids and be able to do all that I want whenever I want. I should be able to be a mom of young kids and finish every book I start. I should be able to be a mom of young kids and fill in the blank, whatever the world is saying, this is what the good life is. This is what your life should look like. Um, that, if we are buying into that and then chafing at the fact that we can't have it all and then insisting in an idolatrous me-centered way, I am going to have, maybe not have it all, but have what I want at the expense of the people around us. Um, you know, I guess that's the other thing that, that maybe people in this conversation have not made explicit but but we are not our own. We were bought with a price, right? And so when we're called to honor God with our body, when we're called to honor God with our time, we're called to do that at the expense of ourselves. And, and I don't, and I, I do think that that genuinely means at the expense of our, it can mean at the expense of our emotional and our physical well-being, not just at the expense of doing whatever we want. I think I think you're touching on 
what I haven't been able to express. I think you're touching on what I'm reacting against. It's that I is that I shouldn't have there to is a call. die to self. Yeah, there is a call to die to self in living in this world. And the self-care movement, the indulgent self-care movement, the worldly version, just throws that out the window and says it's all about me. And it's like, no, biblically, it's not all about you. It's never been about you. It never will be about you. Yes, I 100% agree with that. What's tricky is, is, yeah, there are absolutely seasons in life. Here we are in Ecclesiastes again, right? Where we are called to die to self, to not get what we want, while also holding intention. Here we are, we're both and people, right? Yeah. Here we are holding intention, the call to constantly be dying to self. And to be evaluating, do I want this because it's an idol? Do I want this because it's it's something that's self-centered? It's something that um, will fuel me, will feed the me monster in me? Or I, do I want it because it will? I recognize that it will better equip me to continue pouring out for my family over the long term? You know, and, and that's only a question that you answer before the Lord, because the hot bath with a glass of wine and a Netflix show. And your infrared. And yes, you guys, for my birthday, this is a classic husband wife thing, right? So for a black, black, early black Friday sale, I got it before black Friday. I bought myself an infrared or a red light therapy. So it does infrared and near infrared. So surface of the skin and then under the surface of the skin, uh, cellular regeneration sort of stuff, supposedly. Anyway, uh, it, it doesn't seem to be a $300 scam. Uh, time will tell if it does any benefit for us. I'm hoping to look 10 years younger by January by doing this on my face every day. So, um, she always looks 18 to me, you guys. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, Jared didn't even know me when I was 18. He, so, but, but yeah, so, so am I doing that because, because I recognize that taking this moment of my day is going to help me, I'm, I'm spitballing here, but I'm formally leading a self-diagnostic as I'm spitballing, but you know, so, so I take my bath and do I, I think one of the big diagnostics is I'm setting this time aside because this is what I in examining my heart and understanding myself, believe that I need in order to be the best, healthiest version of me in order to continue loving and serving my family well. What do I... So here's my diagnostic. How do I respond when I don't get it? How do I respond when the kids are screaming outside the door and it's 10 o'clock at night and I have to get out of the bath to put a kid back to bed or to deal with a puking kid or to deal with um, a dog with diarrhea, which is not something that's in the far too distant history of our family or, you know, whatever it is, whatever your, this is what I feel like will rejuvenate me so that I can be the best version of me to love and serve my family in the way that Christ has called me to, which is take up your cross daily understanding all of that how do i respond when i don't get what i want and i think that that might be the key in is your self-care biblical or is your self-care 
being fueled from a you should be like God worldview. And I would challenge every husband out there to ask the same questions about their very their various activities. You know, how often do we go out and do X, Y, or Z without kids and just take off and do stuff? And what the same diagnostic applies. How do we respond when we don't? Or, well, this is something I'm doing every week. Well, is that really helpful for the family? Is that really, would it be a better use of your time or a better use of your resources if you offered that same time slot for your wife to go out and do something, you know, sort of thing? I mean, you don't want to become a big marital fight, but... Um, I say that because there's a lot of men in my circles who, um, uh, for better or for worse, take off for weekends at a time by themselves and leave kids and wife at home so they can go, you know, on a various adventure. I will tell Which, you on, on if, the flip side. If he, if he and if they and their wives are cool with that, then great. Yeah. More power to them. So, so there's two things that I will react to on that. I have seen two people not... Like, fairly recently, like, I have two people in mind who have quit ice climbing when they started having kids. It's an activity that they absolutely love. That narrows down the people. (laughs) No, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you know who I'm talking about, more power to you. But if you don't, don't, um, you know, but, um, but the recognition that this is something I love, it's recreation that comes at a... Life or death. There was an ice climber in Bozeman, uh, avid, mm-hmm. who'd recently died, like within the last week. Um, and, you know, it the the cost of a screw-up is very high. This The cost of a screw-up, if you go take a couple hours to golf, or if you go take a couple of hours to ski at our local ski area, or if you go, you know, that the odds of that being a very costly screw-up taking a 40 mile bike ride on a Saturday morning, you know, so there's that element too. Um, and then, you know, there's also the element of, you know, how do you, can you as a dad calibrate your activity? So you're not leaving wife at home, you know, yes, you, most of these guys work very hard all week long and this is their time to rejuvenate themselves, to, do something that is not, you know, working for the man or whatever, because a lot of people's work is not deeply satisfying to them, despite the, you know, the ideal that it should be. It's not. And so doing something that they enjoy, that's physical, whatever it is, like, let's not totally throw the baby out with the bathwater. Can you guys hear? (laughs) I can barely hear myself talk. We have kids... That I gave permission if they cleaned the kitchen and put Christmas decoration boxes in the garage, they could have some screen time. And I can barely focus because they're just on the other side of a wall. I think I heard you say screen time, not screen time. Guys, I need to find a way to keep my kids more physically active. I've been trying, you know, I've been, I've been over the, over the years, uh, the Lord has convicted me on, on things, but also just common sense has been like, I'm going to try to develop different habits different things i enjoy that can include family activities well that's that's preclude like okay it's not my season to go ride dirt bikes in the mountains for it probably never will be let's be Um, honest it's not my season (laughs) it's not my season to spend lots of time touring on the road for instance you know so there are seasons but also 
When you did go on a one tour this summer, you took your son with you. Yeah. So that's, I, I see a lot of men who are in our season of life who are roping their kids more and more into the things that they love. And I think that that's really cool because if you, you know, I mean, we've done this with skiing and it's not just their son, you know, your son, but we are pushing towards the tail end of some very, very heavy lifting, literally skiing with kids strapped to our chest, carrying kids and all of their stuff up to the lodge. Uh, I mean, like there, there was a, there was a two year period where JR would drop me and three kids off as close to the lodge as possible. And we would have probably close to a 50 pound gear bag to drag into the lodge full of three kids as boots, three kids as skis, all their helmets, all of the stuff. And I then would drag it into the lodge while two of the kids who are not big enough to really take care of themselves are walking by themselves at least. And I'm carrying the third kid. So we put in some serious heavy lifting so that now, hopefully this year, Faith will walk herself to the lodge from wherever we end up parking. Probably not quite yet at the point of carrying her own gear, but everybody else can put on their own gear and carry their own gear. When you put in the time when they're young, with whatever it is, whether it's taking them biking, you know, I'm talking about activities that we do, but put in the time when they're young and you can reap the habits of resuming those activities with avid and skilled buddies when they're a little bit older, but you have to recognize that seasonal thing. Well, I know for me, like mountain biking for a long time was a really big deal. Then I started having kids and I really didn't feel right about just dropping you know, dropping, just leaving my family for three hours on a Saturday morning to go mountain biking. And so when I was able to start taking Tito, that was a lot of fun. And then generally I kind of grew out of it a little bit, not grow out of it, but it's just, I've lost, I've lost some interest in it partially due to the sticker shock of knowing how much it costs to have all four kids mountain bike. Mm. That's prohibitively expensive. Sorry. Uh, I don't know who you are out there, but cool. For me and my family, it's prohibitively expensive. It's like I can't, I can't afford to keep this up. Um, I think so. You just change of, so, your interests, okay? So That's I right. think it was going back to that. I think it was Maggie who said this also on our Telegram channel that uh, that this idea of self care for women is usually also expensive. <laughs> and, oh. and so there's a sense of entitlement that that fuels a sense of either resentment or that actually fuels financial struggles because you feel like, I I mean, even like I'm entitled to, you know, pick up a Starbucks coffee when I, you know, get this couple minutes of me time. I mean, a Starbucks coffee these days is pushing 10 bucks in some places. I mean, to do that on a regular basis is not cheap. Um, You know, and so... Uh, you know, and, and that's just that. That's not all of the other self-care things that the culture is saying, this is what self-care is, and you're <coughs> entitled to it, and yeah. you have to meet these particular standards that you're seeing on the internet or in the world out there in order to be doing self-care well. And so, you know, whether you're, whether you're a husband or a wife or you know, a single person who's 
trying, you know, getting these impressions of what you need to be doing to take care of yourself. That is also a component that needs to be factored in, I think. I don't know. That's all, that's all the thoughts that I had on it, but I felt like it was worth revisiting because it did stir up so much conversation and, uh, all of, I, so I think my key takeaway is how does your heart respond when you don't get this thing that you think you needed? And I guess my biblical admonition would be if you think you need it, and the Lord himself says no through your circumstances, then it is your good shepherd who is redirecting you to something that you actually need more. Love it. This is why I married you. <laughs> it's not my 18-year-old skin, that's for sure. <laughs> no. I like your 18-year-old skin. Uh, no, it's 44. You guys, in two weeks, I turn 44, and I've just barely gotten used to saying that I'm 43. In one week, we have a 13-year-old. Yeah, we will have a teenager. Whew. Hope he grows need, a mustache. I need to find a way to keep him physically active and burn off some of his angsty energy that he's currently taking out on his sisters. I think they're playing a video game. They're laughing right now. You yeah, they're laughing. Time. They're not fighting. But usually so, if they turn on Dude Perfect or Bluey, yeah. which are their two screen time options that they prefer these days, they're usually quiet unless they're selecting an episode. Oh, and they might be a on the of, switch. Yeah. My plan, did I tell you this? Uh, my plan is once uh, when my dad gets home, he listens to the show. Dad, we're really excited for you to get the electrical done upstairs because the, all sorts of plans. We get the walls up and then all, that... TV that's the one I've been using in my studio that I replaced with the other monitor. That's going up there. All of the video game systems are going up there. All Including you guys. The PS3, for the Switch. The, what's, what's the thing the, that I got at the, Costco for them for Christmas? Oh man, that's awesome. Do you remember that Molly, thing? Uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Molly got them that caught the, the Atari Is it single, Atari? I think it's Atari. All okay. the Atari games or whatever in one console. And it plugs. It's it's just like a like two joysticks that have cables that actually go into the console, and then the console is just this little thing that plugs plugs into the TV directly yeah. into the TV. So she she texted me that she's like, "This is kind of cool," and I'm like, "Buy that now." I was at Costco. <laughs> I was at Costco. You guys, I had a craving for fried chicken, and I wanted to make it myself. So I went to Costco literally for chicken, and I was gonna get a bagged salad, and I haven't bought bagged salad in a while, and I was. A little bit stunned at how expensive it was. So then I ended up getting salad makings. And then I can't remember what else I ended up getting there. But And then I found this Atari thing that uh, I was like, hey, should we get this for the kids for their their group family present for Christmas? And uh, pretty soon I came away $180 later after I went to Costco, because Costco. for chicken. Yeah, seriously, because Costco. I'm scanning through... Uh I can Our go look. It's, right it's, up, it's upstairs. But um, you guys all include, um, I realize Black Friday's over, Cyber Monday's over, Giving Tuesday's over, Small Business Saturday's over, <laughs> all the whatevers are over. Christmas is coming, and this is a good opportunity for you to help support the show by buying some of the products in our referral links if they are on your list anyway. Um, one of those things is Molly's Milk Frother. Um, that'll be in a link in the show notes. We'll include anything else that we might have, uh, be 
worthwhile in the show notes. A link to You're Only Human. Uh, if we have this Atari game, we'll keep that in the show notes too. Maybe I'll even find a red light uh, therapy product on Amazon and include that in the show notes. Molly bought from Loombox, uh, and they don't have any referral fancy things as far as I know. So, um, But anyway, uh, all that said, if you guys do want to participate in the conversation that we have been referring to on Telegram or start a new conversation on Telegram, you can do that with the link in the show notes as well. It's a private Telegram chat group. Uh, do that. You can also go on our website, www.toobusytoflush.com or tb2f.com and uh, scroll down there, send us a postcard. While you're there, buy some more Christmas presents. Jump on over to our swag page and pick up a People Are Weird and Hard shirt, a mug, or something else. I've got plans. I, I say this every show because I have to, and I do have plans. Uh, to update some of our uh, products as well over the next week or two. Um, finally. Refer us. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So is that what it, you were yeah, going to say? Yeah, go ahead. And if you're on iTunes, we'd love to have a review, uh, preferably a positive one. And um, the biggest compliment you can give us is to refer us to your friends. So if you guys swap podcasts, uh, notes, or what you're listening to or things you like, Share us on Facebook, share us with a few other things, wherever. I'm going to start uh, with this episode trying to start regularly producing little shareable samples and excerpts from our show. You'll be able to find those on Instagram at this point in time. Because Facebook shut down our Too Busy to Flush page. No idea why. They just did. Anyway. Uh, I'm on Costco with the Atari thing, and it's got 31 star reviews and 29 five star reviews. Maybe we should return it instead of giving it to the kids. Wow, really? Yeah. 31 stars? One st- 31 stars, 14 two stars, oh, geez. 29 five stars, and 10 four stars. That's not a good... That's not a good... <laughs> good yeah. average. Anyway, so anyway, um, nix that exciting video game <laughs> gift idea for our kids, guys. We'll... Um, we will keep you updated about what our kids' big group... A fun Christmas present will be, but it's probably not going to be that. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> I was looking forward to that. I know, me too. Anyway, um, I will go ahead and close this out so I can go work on dinner and stuff. Guess what I just found. Uh, hopefully, we will talk to y'all same time, same place next week. Which is fine. Atari, the company says. Thank you.